The Imperials know you are here. They've followed you, and they're closing in on your position fast. The face on the wall said, Quickly, there's no time. You must escape. The rebels looked back in exhausted confusion, trying to make out the face that was roughly plastered across the various sized crystals in the wall. It was impossible to make it out completely. Exasperated, Valina at last shouted out, You're the one who told us to come here! I left that recording and the clues to go there many years ago, the face continued. This man discovered it, but could not read the ancient texts. The image of the ancient Jedi was replaced with the face of the Dark Lord that had hunted them at Deminol. Knowing you could, he placed a tracking device aboard your ship, let you have the clues, and followed you here. You must escape this place. Remove the tracking device and go to the Samoom system. The image jumped and fizzled, as though there was interference. But they could make out bits and pieces of what he was saying. Far orbit, crystal, river, gaze of the grandfather, tra trail of Watergers, the river stairs. Welcome to Star Wars, Age of Rebellion. This is an RPG Storytime presentation of a campaign played over several years utilizing all three Star Wars role-playing books by Fantasy Flight Games. This is a grand campaign where everything you hear was decided by players in an epic-scale role-playing and strategy game, then turned into this production that tells the story one chapter at a time with occasional explanations of game mechanics. The episodes are shorter than most gaming podcasts because each session is summarized in the form of a story much like an audiobook. It begins with a small band of agents played by a few role players. As the rebel cell grows, more players are brought in to take on the roles of other operatives heading out on other missions and taking part in various battles. Every choice affects the direction of the story, both for the characters on the mission and for the overall story arc, and the ultimate fate of the Juvex and Senex sectors is up to them. Last time, our intrepid group of operatives found a holocron on the wreckage of an old ship. In it, the image of a Jedi told them that whoever found it was chosen by the Force and would therefore be able to wield its powers. There were instructions on how to build a lightsaber and coordinates to the Paramaton system where they could find kyber crystals to make them work, and possibly more. The operatives are trapped within the caves of Paramaton. The Imperials have tracked them and are closing in fast. Lieutenant Wynne knew the message was not for her, so she and Vresh hurried to the corridor they had taken to arrive here. Peering into the dark, they could see the shadows of soldiers moving about. They were still trying other corridors, not certain what direction to go to find them. Wynne called to the others as quickly as she could while still being heard. We've got company. It was not loud enough for the regular troops to hear, but enough for someone among them to. The single figure fired, hitting the wall right next to Wynne. She cringed and Vresh fired back. The rooms lit up with blinking lights as they fired back and forth. The other rebel operatives came to help, taking position behind the boulders and other rocks, as did the Imperial scouts. Wynne peered out and got a good look at the Imperial who had heard her and started firing. It wasn't a scout. It wasn't even wearing white. It was a bounty hunter in independent armor. Wynne recognized her. She knew this operative and why she was firing. This bounty hunter hated the Empire, but did their bidding because they had her sister and her niece held captive and they had promised to release them if she did 20 missions for them. Well, that's what they were saying anyway. Lieutenant Wynne, having been an Imperial officer, knew that they had sold the pair off to slave drivers, and they planned to murder the bounty hunter when she reached the 20 missions. Lieutenant Wynne called out for her. You're in a zend, aren't you? The bounty hunter stopped firing. 
reason enough for Wynne to keep going. You're fighting for your sister and niece. I know where they are. They are not with the Empire, but I can take you to them. The bounty hunter fired at Wynne and said she didn't believe her. Wynne described what the sister looked like and told her the Imperials would kill her when she reached the 20 missions. Inna, the bounty hunter, turned to the two scouts and shot them both dead. She knew that stormtroopers were close behind, just waiting for gunfire to begin, and they would be on them soon. So she hurried toward the rebels, shouting, Don't fire! I'm coming to your side! Inna took cover with them and told the operatives that their way was blocked. There would be too many stormtroopers to fight, and too little room to maneuver. But there was another way around she had scouted and not told the Imperials about, so they needed to follow her. Inna led them to the other exit from the cave. It soon opened up to a wide chamber whose other end was covered by a small lake. The water seemed still, cold, and clear. There's a passage to the other side under the water, Inna said. Then she dove in, despite all the armor she was wearing. Huff went in too, followed by Vresh. The others began to hear stormtroopers nearing the crystal cave, so they jumped into the water, trying to make it to the other side. Vresh got stuck in the underground cave tunnel that connected the two chambers. Valina and Lieutenant Wynne pushed and pushed until they got him through. It appeared that he hadn't taken a deep enough breath, and he began to float aimlessly. Wynne grabbed him and pulled him up. She was running low on breath, too, but Vresh had saved her life, and she wasn't about to let him drown. So she stayed with him until she had him above water, calling for help. Valina came and helped them to get to the shore, and they dragged the Wookiee up to the edge. Wynne beat on his stomach, and water shot out his mouth, and Vresh coughed into consciousness. As he did this, the others came up. None of them had been seen by the stormtroopers. Now Inna told them that the path to get out was through the only corridor they could see. That led right into the heart of the wire spiderwebs. Inna led the way again, through the maze of spiderwebs. They carefully lifted their legs over, weaved around, and ducked under each line slowly and steadily. Despite the large number of them, they managed to get through without getting stuck or vibrating the wires. Inna managed to get to the other side, followed by Rez, then Huff, then Jarn, each side with relief as they crossed the last wire. Everyone was better than expected at crossing, until Fresh came stumbling along, taking up the rear. Still dazed from almost drowning, the Wookiee didn't see where the spiderwebs began, and he strolled right into them. Wookiees aren't known for their daintiness. Wynn and Elor stopped Fresh, and he growled in return. They shushed him. Everyone stopped and looked at the wires. They were still, for only a moment. Then they began to vibrate very slightly, then bigger, and bigger, and stronger, and faster. Everyone hurried for the opposite end. The ones at the front saw the light from the entrance of the cave. But they also saw the rear guard of the stormtroopers along with a probe droid. They had heard the commotion, but were looking around for the source of it. Inna and Huff opened fire on them, and a firefight ensued. Back on the spiderweb, Aelor had tried to hurry too fast and got stuck on one of the webs. Vresh worked to free her, and Wynne got ready for the spiders. The vibrations of the webs got stronger, and the ten-legged beasts appeared out of the darkness. Wynne began opening fire. Valina, who had been close to the end, stayed where she was and fired at the beasts as well. Their shots were bouncing off their skins, but each hit made them wince and slowed them down, buying time for Vresh to free Aelor. Back at the stormtroopers, the blaster fire was intense in both directions, but neither side was scoring a hit. That's when Jarn knew it was time to put his lifetime of training to work. He pressed a button on his lightsaber. It bit into the sky. The blue glow lit up a pale dome of light around him. He rushed forward and slashed, taking down one stormtrooper, then kicked off a wall and slashed, taking down a second. 
emboldened by the attack, and with the stormtroopers distracted, Huff and Inna stood, shooting the other stormtroopers while Jarn leaped and took down the probe droid. In the spider web, everyone stopped trying to free Elor, and they shot at the oncoming spiders. A couple were felled, and the others fled into the darkness. Then they turned to Elor and shot at the webs around her. They shattered into tiny pieces, cutting Elor. But she said she'd be okay, and they trudged ahead again, dodging the webs more carefully. The webs began to vibrate more heavily now, like an army of spiders were coming. Close to the entrance, stormtroopers were coming back to fight, and Huff was shooting them down one by one. A probe droid appeared at the cave entrance, and Inna shot it down in one blast. Felina blasted the crystal web near the exit of the spider cave, and they ran through the last part, escaping and joining the others. A couple of them covered the corridor through which the stormtroopers were coming, while the others got out, and they all began climbing the cliff immediately. When they reached the top, Valina and Elora looked down and saw the stormtroopers piling out the cave and shooting up at them. They also saw something that struck them as odd. Several figures dressed all in black were approaching the cave entrance, heedless of what was happening around them. Elor recognized one of them. The man who had latched her to the table. The man who had violated her. She shivered at the sight. Come on, Valina said. Let's get out of here. As they neared their ships, they heard the dreaded howl of TIE fighters coming. They hurried inside, and powered up just as the TIEs appeared above. The fighters opened fire on them as they took off. The warrior's prayer trailed behind the General Maidine, which rushed ahead as four TIE fighters dipped into the canyon with them, two on each ship. Duke and Pukvakok manned the guns on their ship, while Jarn manned the guns on the other. They fired, and each of them took out a TIE fighter. Huff maneuvered through the narrow corridor and kept straight while Rez turned down the canyon split to the right. The ties split evenly between them. Duke took out another TIE fighter, and just as he was cheering, two more appeared over the edge of the canyon ahead of them. Pukvakak destroyed one of them and shouted out, Two! Recording his score. Duke only had one, so he'd have to catch up. A shot got through the warrior's prayer's deflector shields, and the warrior's prayer took a hit in time for another fighter to come over the canyon toward it. Jarn took that tie down, and Duke tied up his contest with Pukvakok by destroying one of the ties on their tail. Now tie bombers with their escorts appeared over the edge of the canyon, bearing down on the two vessels. Huff maneuvered around the far side of a large stalagmite. One of the ties tried to make the turn with him, but hit the stalagmite wall. Duke shot the other one, taking the lead in this private competition. Rez, meanwhile, made a luxurious turn, making it easier for John to take aim, and he knocked out the tie bomber following them. Its fighter escort of two ties along with the remaining ties still on Jarn's tail bore down on the warrior's pride. They now had three enemy fighters on them. The other bomber lined up on the General Maidine and fired. But so did Pukvakok. The bomber's missile damaged the shields and the bomber was blasted into pieces. Huff had to turn to squeeze through the final opening and it knocked against one of the sides, taking some hull damage. Ties were now swarming to cut off Rez as he tried to get through the gap. Pukvakok covered him, taking out one of the ties in the lead. Then suddenly another ship appeared out of nowhere. It had wings that pointed at its prey, and it seemed to materialize right in front of Rez. It fired, demolishing the remaining shields and nearly ripping the warrior's pride apart. Rez could barely keep it flying. As he passed it, Rez got a quick glimpse inside the cockpit and briefly spotted a man with what looked like an eye patch, or a monocle, or something. It didn't matter. Jarn was going to shoot him down, but the ship vanished as quickly as it had appeared. Now the TIE fighters lined up behind them. Rez swerved expertly under a rocky arch and pulled up. The TIEs tried to follow him, but couldn't make the turn, and they smashed into the arch. Both rebel ships climbed out of the canyon, 
and flew into the atmosphere, clear of the Imperial capital ships blockading overhead. They were banged up, but they had made it. They got into space, made their calculations, and launched off to their next destination. This has been an RPG Storytime presentation of Age of Rebellion. Join us next week to hear what happens next. If you'd like to see a visualization of this episode, check out our YouTube channel. The link is in the description. If you'd like to see other things written by the author of this show, you can also find that in the description. Happy gaming, everybody!